You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. The T-Biz Podcast delivers T-News that you need to know. A recap of the week's major headlines with commentary and cultural trends hosted by Dan Bolton. It is the voice of origin for tea professionals and enthusiasts worldwide. Weekly, the T-Biz Podcast and T-Biz Blog offer business insights on the news that most impacts the tea industry. Paired with T-Journey Magazine for tea enthusiasts, the T-Biz Portal is a global resource providing nuanced coverage for everyone who loves tea. Hello, everyone. Here are this week's headlines. Pricing tea in a slogging economy. Indicators suggest a recession is imminent. The International Tea Academies awarded its leafies last week. Sales of herbal infusions are expected to double this decade. Plus, Canadian economist Sylvain Charlebois, senior director at the Agri-Food Analytics Lab at Dalhousie University, sees a lot of positives for the tea industry, but cautioned that inflation is an economic disease that will linger. Supply chain challenges remain. The microdynamics around commodities are getting more complicated, he said. Quote, the fall is not going to be an easy one. More in a minute, but first, this important message. What makes a perfect cup of Ceylon tea? The perfect cup is from the tea businesses that ensure the protection of all the children living within their tea estates. We salute Kailani Valley, Telawakili, Bogawanthalawa, Harana, and Eliptia Tea Estates. Support Save the Children, Sri Lanka. Bloomberg analyst Allison Schrager writes that, quote, If there has been one thing consistently true of the past two years, it is that what everyone consistently predicted has turned out to be wrong. That's because we're in uncharted territory. We have never before turned the economy off, then turned it back on again as we did in the pandemic, end quote. Carmen Allison, vice president of thought leadership at Nielsen IQ in Toronto, describes the unusual combination of slow growth and job gains set against rising interest rates and sharply higher inflation as a consumer recession. Quote, We are all trained to understand that you need two consecutive quarters of GDP contraction for a country to be officially in a recession, but we also know that by the time that actually happens— A lot of the economy is already in a recession, he explains. 
I think consumers react first because it is a domino effect. We start pulling back on some things and it impacts the overall GDP. So just looking at consumer spending, specifically consumer packaged goods, we can go back in time to look at what is normal behavior for consumers. How much are they spending? Are they shifting to private label versus national brands? We then score these attributes and leading indicators and ask them what they are thinking and how they are feeling. He said that most feel that we are already in a recession, quote, but there's a huge polarization right now among consumers. It's the haves and the have-nots, end quote. A quarter of consumers, 26.4%, do not view inflation as a concern, while 27.9% of Canadian households are experiencing greater than 18% inflation. People are really making drastic changes overall, said Allison. When asked if they have changed how they shop for groceries, 49% say they buy only what I need. 44% say they eat leftovers more, and 36% say they stop buying certain products. When prices go up, it changes consumer behavior. This is called price elasticity, the volumetric impact of price changes. Quote, back in 2008, when we went into our last recession, we promoted our way through it. Promotions were 27 to 30 percent, and as the recession continued, rose to 40 percent and higher. As an industry, we trained consumers to buy on promotion, but we didn't have that level of inflation we have now. So the name of the game is very different, he said. Allison cautioned, quote, we have to appeal to consumers' needs for value. Tea is a value play, right? It's cheaper to drink tea than coffee. So remind them of that value and how much they can save drinking tea back at home. Yes, you can take the price up. But if you're being more strategic, take that price up on the larger sizes and do it in a way that helps you to be more profitable, end quote. He said e-commerce is another factor. E-commerce counts for around 16% of uh, CPG sales. In some categories, it accounts for more than 30% of sales. So that's a different scenario today than in 2008. He explained that in the past, when researching e-commerce behavior, quote, we find people tended to be less emotionally driven. They are online for more for the convenience of it. Now that's changing. People are going online for deals, and they are not staying loyal to the physical brick-and-mortar stores, end quote. What I see right now is that a lot of consumers aren't feeling good about this stuff, and they don't think we're going to solve any of these issues in the near future, he said. I think a lot of these concerns are going to stick with us well into the next year and beyond. Business Insight To learn more specific details about pricing tea in a recession from Carmen Allison's presentation at the North American Tea Conference, visit www.t-biz.com.
A dozen teas were awarded gold medals at the Leafy's 2022 award ceremony October 26th at the fabled Fortnum & Mason store in London. Organized by the UK Tea Academy, the cocktail event drew winners from many tea lands. Five teas from Japan earned gold medals, and two were awarded each to Taiwan and Sri Lanka growers. Gold winners Laforia in El Salvador and Magok tea in Myanmar were from less well-known tea-producing regions. Ocho no Kajahara's Benefuki 2022 Second Flush was named Best in Show. 28 teas were, quote, highly commended. Grower Eva Lee at Tea Hawaii received the Gay Award for her environmental stewardship, and Indy Kahana at the Tea Studio in the Nilgiris, India, was recognized for his lifetime achievements in tea. A panel of nine judges evaluated only loose-leaf tea with no artificial ingredients and no tea bags. Judges evaluated 300 teas in 33 categories. Competitors paid £50 per tea to enter. Fortnum & Mason will feature some of the teas for sale at its rare tea counter. See the complete list of winners at uktacademy.co.uk. Ten-year sales projections value the global market for herbal infusions at nearly double current estimates. Market research firm Future Markets Insights projects a combined annual growth rate, CAGR, of 7.1% between 2022 and 2032. FMI estimates the global market for herbal infusions, mainly bottled, was $3.7 billion in 2022, rising to $7.34 billion in 2032, a 98% increase. Globally, tea sales are about 50 times greater than infusions. The largest markets for both herbal infusions and tea are Asian. China is a $100 billion tea market. India and China combined consume 61% of the world's tea. The rate of growth is accelerating from an average of 5.5% during the years 2016 to 2021, according to FMI. Herbals are popular with young, health-conscious consumers who are mindful that 30% of adults are overweight worldwide and more than 13% are obese, according to the World Health Organization. The top herbals are peppermint, chamomile, ginger, lemongrass, and rooibos. Fruits and florals, such as hibiscus, are popular in Europe. The UK is the top consumer of herbal infusions, followed by Germany, France, and Poland, according to FMI. Black and green tea are the go-to base for herbal blends. Ginger tops the list of common ingredients. Others include ginseng, jasmine, Moroccan mint, and gin matcha rice. The full report can be found at futuremarketinsights.com. Arvinda Anantharaman in Bengaluru reports on this week's tea auction prices. India tea price report for the week ending October 28, 2022. 
The Tea Board of India has reported a 16.5% increase in tea production for September as compared to 2021. And this increase has been seen across all the tea regions as Bengal production was 52.94 million kilos is against 46.32 million kilos last year. Assam stood at 109 million kilos as against 92 million kilos in 2021. And South India recorded 23.28 million kilos as against 20.61 million kilos in 2021. In auctions, sale 43 saw good demand uh, in both North and South India. In Guwahati, Hindustani Unilever was active for leaf and major blenders were active for dust. Media reports say that between April and October, there has been a good response from Saudi Arabia and other countries in the Middle East for premium CTC from Guwahati. And average prices for this period have been up by 17 rupees 24 paise compared to 2021. Kolkata saw good demand for all tea grades. Major blenders were active for CTC leaf and dust. Middle East and CIS countries were active for orthodox tea. South India too saw good demand for all tea grades. CTC grades sold well in Cochin. Kunu saw a good uptake of all tea grades. Prices though were similar to the previous week. Also in the Nilgiris, the price of green leaf has been fixed at 16 rupees 21 paise per kilo for November. And now, a word from our sponsor. Hello, I'm Bogdan, a passionate tea drinker and the inventor of the ultimate tea machine, the Brewmaker One. Preparation is key to making fine tea. Sequential steepings deliver the best taste possible and unlock the true value of whole leaf teas and botanicals. Brew automates that process without using any pots or capsules. This simple-to-operate, smartphone-control device stores steeping profiles to consistently make great tea at the push of a button. Brew also reduces time, waste and energy. That's because I engineered the brew to remember control settings for temperature, brewing time and quantity. Using my patented process lets you stack steep simply and conveniently. Canadian economist Sylvain Charlebois delivered the keynote at the North American Tea Conference and spoke afterwards with T-Biz. Here are a few excerpts from his presentation. So, I'm an economist. I'm not a tea expert. So I do study food, but I do study a lot of different food. Uh, tea is, is a first for me. I actually enjoy tea. But tea, uh, to me, has always been a fascinating industry. And when you look at global issues, when you look at where the market is going, I see a lot of positives for your product in particular. And I'm being, I'm, I'm very objective. I don't own a company. I don't own a tea company. I'm not invested in, in tea at all. I'm just looking at the tea leaves. <laughs> so let's talk about inflation. Inflation obviously is a, an economic disease, if I can coin, uh, well, that term was coined by Milton Friedman many, many years ago, and I actually agree with him. Uh, in, this, in this case, it's self-inflicted, but we have to deal with inflation. Inflation is a big problem, uh, and a lot of people are referring to 1981, early 1990s, uh, early 1980s. The difference between then and now is that now inflation is lingering. 
In Canada, for the 13th month in a row, we've seen food inflation exceed the general inflation rate. So when people go to the grocery store, they are absolutely spooked because they know everything is more expensive everywhere, but in the, at the grocery store, it's even worse, much worse. If you're wondering what's going on in the US, it's very similar. I think there was one exception in July, and that's it. But in, in, in the last 12 months, most of the time, the food inflation rate that was in Florida for six months in the winter, I saw it, I saw it happen. Uh, the food inflation rate has exceeded the inflation rate. So in other words, especially with what's going on with interest rates, every single consumer are trying to recalibrate their budget just because they have to make sure they have a roof on the top of their head and they have to feed themselves. So that portion of the budget is increasing by the day. And we know the Fed is actually going to increase its benchmark. So in the team business, I would ask myself, okay, are we going to go back to 35? The answer is not in the near future. No. We actually think it's going to take at least three to four years to get there. It's going to take some time to actually go back to where we were before COVID. Way. And that's going to actually change the way you see the market. Are people going to go up or stay in? And I think the staying in is going to actually become more and more interesting. So people are ordering more food online. People love to grocery shop in their pajamas, in their kitchen, over the counter. It's all done. And it's delivered within two hours. We were lucky to get our food within two days before COVID. We were happy dancing. Now we're upset if it come, doesn't come in within two hours. So the industry has picked up the pace and people are noticing and expectations are changing. In some parts of the, of the country, we now have companies delivering food within 15 minutes. Ninja is an example, 15 minutes. So expectations are absolutely changing. It's incredible and it's happening fast. Supply cha challenges, I think uh, a lot of our speakers uh, have actually talked about that. It's a lingering issue, of course. To move anything around the world, on water and on land, it's costing way more than two and a half years ago, but it's costing less now than six months ago. Uh, so things are improving slowly. And I think what, this is my own opinion, I actually think, well, COVID really didn't help. Uh, what has been underappreciated by the public and to a certain extent by the government by governments is that to change rules every couple of days became a huge burden on the food industry. Predictability is an asset that, that was underappreciated by governments, and now we're paying for it. The, 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 the macro dynamic around commodities is going to get a little bit more complicated in the fall and in the winter as well. And finally, of course, climate change and the carbon tax and all that stuff. Before, you know, before there was a carbon market, essentially companies just looked at the world like a table and water. You put water on the table, water always went to the lowest place as possible. And so companies designed a global supply chain and went to the cheapest place to package, went to the cheapest place to buy this, to do that. 
That's how we designed global supply chains over the last 70 years, since the end of the Industrial Revolution. That's how it worked. Not anymore. That model is making less and less sense with a carbon market. Whether you like it or not, whether you like the carbon market or not, I don't think it's going to go away. And companies are going to have to deal with it. So my guess is that how you service different markets around the world is going to change based on the policies that we actually see related to climate change issues. And tea is a global market. You are not immune to this. It's going to impact you absolutely. And, and I think you, you kind of have to think about that as you, as you grow your business. So that's basically what I have for now as my opening act. <laughs> Thank you, Sylvain, for sharing your insights. I just have a couple of additional questions. Oversupply is a concern in the tea industry. In many tea lands, due to rising cost of labor, the price of fertilizer, and the cost of transport, farm gate prices are at or below the cost of production. At the government level, foreign exchange earnings are a priority. Small growers who now produce the majority of the world's tea often increase the amount of leaves they harvest, lowering quality. Will you talk about supply and demand from your vantage? I think in many crops, often production is not synchronized with demand. So instead of doing uh, adopting a supply management paradigm, they should actually look more for a demand chain management paradigm. Understanding the market, how fragmented it should be to raise the bar, because you have, I mean, what's a premium product in tea? Like, can we define that? What does that mean? And how people, what's the value add? What's the value proposition? And why people would pay more for tea versus... It tastes better. Yeah, there are different reasons why people are paying more. Right. But but it, is it recognized by the masses? But that's why there's going to be growth in tea. There's going to be growth in tea, and it's happening. What is going on with the young generations that didn't happen with the other ones? That, I'd be curious to know. Certification, okay. organic, you know, a premium label, so right? they're willing to pay for that. The third party, okay. right, fair trade. Fair trade. Yeah. Uh, second, uh, the bananas, that's what we see with fair trade. The fair trade is actually playing a bigger role now. Yeah. Let's talk about demand. Well, I mean, first of all, I, I think we need to look at uh, the fundamentals. Price. That's a big one. Now, tea is relatively cheap. But it's going up in price, and inflation is impacting how people buy choices as well, in my view. Uh, interest rates are going up everywhere, North America. And so most households are recalibrating how they spend money, uh, including on beverages and tea. So that's an unknown right now, I think. Uh, the, the other issue, I think, that is, um, and we'll talk about this this afternoon, is uh, the, the, the work-from-home phenomenon. Uh, we saw that during COVID, uh, tea sales skyrocketed uh, in 2020. Uh, the market was more domesticated. 2021 was hit and miss. Uh, but this is the big question mark I think everyone in the food industry should ask themselves. 
how will the market look like, the workforce look like in 2024, 2025, when more people, we actually expect that 40% of the workforce in North America will spend at least one day a week, minimum one day a week at home working. And as soon as you're home more often, your relationship with food completely changes. Um, including uh, the choice of beverage that you'll take, when you drink it, uh, how you prepare it, how much time you spend. Uh, I think tea has an advantage over other beverages when it comes to a more domesticated market, in my view, because you can actually, there's some, there's some design that is required, the experience and, and flavor. In a restaurant, it can come you know, at the end of the meal, it can go for, people can go off for tea, but it's not the same thing. At home, you can actually treat yourself. You can actually make it more, almost an event, uh, whether it's friends or on your own. So I actually think that it is a bit of an advantage uh, for tea to see a more domesticated marketplace. That's just my opinion. Intrigued by what you heard in today's podcast? Would you like to learn more from our global network of T-Biz journalists and tea experts? Remember to visit the T-Biz website for more comprehensive coverage. That's www.t-bizbiz.com. Thanks for listening. Farewell till next week. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.